From Vistio, this is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, where we discuss the role the agent plays in creating successful CX call center operations. We'd like you to know, as usual, we are recording this time for quality assurance. And of course, what we mean by that is we have a podcast made out of the time that we have together every week called Recorded for Quality Assurance. Now, on CXQA Live, we believe that agents are the single most important asset in CX operations. And we also talk about that in the following terms, that agents with the right training tools and connection with your company are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business or brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you have for your business. They're going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected. They're going to produce more and better work. And they're going to want to stay and contribute to the long-term success of your company. And this is what we call the agent-centric contact center philosophy. Now, this week on the show, we're delighted to have with us Leslie O'Flahaven. Welcome, Leslie. We're glad to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks very much. So in addition to being one of the most thoughtful of the thought leaders in the CX space, Leslie is the principal and owner of eWrite, which teaches people to write well online and to make communication better online, which is really a huge marketplace. But uh, you have a lot of experience specifically writing for CX. And so you've got a lot of time in the trenches thinking about what the life of the agent is like and engaging with a lot of these topics. And I've had respect for your content really for several months now, Leslie, but I had the opportunity to meet you in person for the first time a couple of weeks ago at ICMI. And I was attracted to the title of the facilitated breakout session that you hosted, which was called Can Empathy Be Scripted? And so my first question for you today, I really just want to give our audience a chance to kind of jump into that conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. So my question is, can empathy be scripted? Well, in honor of the question, I'll give a quick answer. Yes, empathy can be scripted. But like all good questions, this question has question babies every time we ask it. Can empathy be scripted? Yes, it can. Should empathy be scripted? Hmm, That's a little bit uh, grayer of an area. Do customer service agents want their leaders to script empathy statements for them. Yes, I think they do. So yeah, there's all the the sort of different questions that come down the pipe from that, right? So there's, you know, should it be, can it be, if it should be and it can be, then how should it be? And so there's a lot of layers to this. You know, I I think that there's a, a dynamic where, and this is what really prompted me to engage with you, the agent is there in this interaction and they need some help a lot of times to make sure that they're saying it right, you know, to make sure that they're showing a a certain degree of human empathy. But you made a comment during the panel and I want to focus on this for a bit. And this really grabbed my attention. You said something along the lines of, and this is not an exact quote, but we can't expect agents based on the way that they're compensated to bring their full human empathy to work. We don't have the right to ask them 
to show our customers the same empathy that they do their family and friends. Would you kind of unpack your thoughts for us there? Yes, I'd be glad to. I mean, talking about expressing empathy to customers in customer service interactions on the phone and email chat, blah, 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 et cetera, this is relatively new, not brand new, but relatively new. And just as the pandemic has caused uh, people at work to talk a lot about the emotions connected with work, the emotions connected with service, it's caused our community to talk a lot about the company's obligation to express empathy to connect with the customer as a real human Mm -hmm. when the customer has a question or is um, leveling a complaint. So employees need empathy, customers need empathy, leaders need empathy, we all need empathy. But because of this, um, our, our culture is identifying empathy as an important workplace commodity or expression. We want some of the uh, least empowered employees to express it kind of in a factory situation. And we're expecting them to express empathy to customers, to know the difference between sympathy and empathy, and to express it to customers all day long, all day long, multiple interactions. Well, is it fair to ask them to find the place in their heart that responds when their loved one talks about an unhappy situation and they react with empathy? Is that same place in their heart? Do they need to use that when the customer says, you sent me a size extra large hoodie and I ordered a large and I'm upset. This is the wrong item. Is it the same? I keep, you know, I'm reaching to my own heart. Is it the same piece of the working person's heart? And I'm arguing, no, it isn't. And the employer does not deserve the part of your heart that you give to the people you love. Instead, the employer, the contact center manager, the knowledge manager owes the frontline customer service agent training in how to express empathy sincerely without coughing up their own heart each time. This is a learned skill. It's a workplace skill. And we expect professionals of all different types to express empathy without sacrificing their own emotional core. You know, obvious examples are therapists. Therapists have to express empathy, you know, for a solid hour at a time to people who are in profound pain, but they don't give their clients the same empathy that they reserve for their family and their other loved ones. And there, besides therapists, there are tons of other professionals, teachers, People outside of helping professions, plumbers, plumbers have to have empathy to understand how much can I charge this person? How quickly do I need to repair this plumbing problem? So all the way around, yes, we can script empathy. And as employers, we owe agents empathy scripts that customers will receive as sincere because we are not entitled to their core heartfelt emotions. I think there's so many places we could go with this, honestly. Um, But one of the things that you said that I think is a critical factor here is the repetitive nature 
of these need for empathy interactions, right? So, you know, if, if you're a CX agent and, you know, you're taking four or five calls an hour, and obviously there are a lot of variables depending on the industry that you're working in, you know, the nature of the call makes a huge difference. You know, is, is someone literally going through the hardest moment of their life and you're, you know, company plays a role in that being resolved, whether that be a healthcare situation or, you know, a life insurance situation, or there's so many variables, but even just you think about the, the other helping professions that you brought up, right. You know, something that's hard that you have to interact with on a regular basis, you have to find a way to, as you said, preserve your own core uh, while not being less than human to the human that you're interacting with. And, and I, I think a lot about folks that work in emergency medical or veterinary scenarios where they're often seeing the hardest things that animals and people go through mm-hmm. and they see it constantly for a 12 hour shift. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they see it overnight, you know, when, when they themselves would like to be asleep and there's all these additional variables. And so, you know, th- there needs to be in place not just here's a script, but an overall skill set development of how to manage that part of being an employee. Absolutely. And I think um, the question, can empathy be scripted, is one, it's it's a little sizzly, you know, so it's fun to ask, yes or no, can empathy be scripted? But we move quickly to the next question, which is, are we giving people who provide customer service enough time and enough training and repeated training to help build the skill. Because as I mentioned in the start, we're talking about empathy differently now post-pandemic than we were before the pandemic. And in my work, in helping companies write better email, chat, social media, text, and chatbot content to uh, customers, there has been a just kind of a slot bucket of anything related to feelings is all the same. So sympathy and empathy were kind of like tossed into the same bucket. And we had some tired wording, didn't we? Sympathy sounded like this. We regret any inconvenience this may have caused. And empathy sound like this. I can certainly understand why you're frustrated. And it was all just in this, you know, as I said, like a bucket, you know, kind of just a place to put anything related to feelings. If we're going to improve our connections with customers and build better rapport with customers, then we need to know the difference between sympathy and empathy. We need to be able to express them both uh, genuinely and nimbly, you know, and separately. And we need to know when the conversation requires empathy and when it requires sympathy. If I sent you the wrong hoodie, if I sent you the extra large and you ordered the large, then I should apologize, that's sympathy. And instead of saying, I regret any inconvenience this may have caused, you say, I'm sorry we sent you the wrong order and we're going to replace it with expedited shipping. That's how that sounds. But these are all learnable skills that require practice and a commitment to training. For sure. And, and, and I think on some level, it's, it's something that either the company's leaders understand the need for or they don't, right? And, you know, I had an interaction by chatbot with a, a, a pretty recognizable food delivery brand just this past week where the script that the agent was working off of in the chat 
really didn't take into account the nature of the issue that I was having, but I kept getting those, that must be so frustrating. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, I mean, it's frustrating, but that wasn't really a good fit, right? For mm-hmm. for the the way the conversation was going, the nature of the problem I was having. And, and I would have rather had something that was a, at least a little bit more tailored to the reality of what we were, you know, kind of talking about. And I think it, it, it tends to make people feel, customers feel like the agent's not really even paying attention to what's happening fully, right? Right. Yes. The expressions of empathy can come across as really sincere or the same set of words can sound really insincere. It depends upon a lot of the other parts of of the X, the customer experience. So, you know, take the phrase, I do understand how frustrating this experience has been for you. That can sound great. And it can also sound like, you know, the agent's going to sprain their eye sockets from eye rolling you so hard if I understand how frustrating this right. is. It, it can sound horrible. And, and you know, the example you gave where the, the chatbot interaction is not moving forward to solve the problem. So when they're saying, you know, that sounds rough or well, that's not how we want things to go. You're like, I know, fix my problem. Right. And the words will sound different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's almost like there's a quota of, you have to have a certain number of empathy statements in an interaction in order to be rated well as an agent or something, because it's yeah. like, you're just trying to get them in at this point. Like there's, it's not even contextual. It doesn't even make sense, right? And so I, I, I think if we kind of zoom out for a minute, there, there is a bigger issue in CX when it comes to agents. And we, we try to talk about this openly here on the show. And that is the way that agents are valued by the industry, you know, and we kind of talked about this a little bit ago, uh, Leslie, when we were kind of winding up for this, but, you know, there is unfortunately a mentality in a lot of CX organizations that turnover is going to continue to be high right? That most agents are not going to stay in this role. They're using this as a a temporary stopgap. They're using it as, you know, a stepping stone to something else. And so really equipping agents in the deeper sense for the work that they do to be a sustainable career, to be a sustainable way of life, part of their, their actual human life, is unfortunately somewhat rare in the industry. And, and we'd like to see that change. I get the feeling that you would too. Here's what I would specifically like to see change. I would like the company to fix the problems that prevent agents from giving good service. And I would like them, the companion is, to stop expecting these particular employees to absorb practices everyone knows are bad. Everyone. So it's a bad practice to launch a marketing campaign without letting the contact center know what's going on or not giving them enough advance notice. But that happens all the time. Or it's a bad practice to have a conversation about how we're fixing a website problem, a a glitch or something. And the conversation's happening over here, but the contact center's not involved and they, they don't know about the progress. Or I'll give you an example. It's a bad practice one of my clients a long time ago uh, had a practice of raising prices with, I guess you could say it was adequate notice, like legally it was adequate notice, but customers were always shocked that the prices had gone up a little bit. And the contact center 
had started to staff to these price rises because they were they knew they were going to have a spike in contacts. The agents were empowered to offer a waiver of the price increase one time only, okay? But the waiver they could offer was less than the price increase. And this happened over and over and over again. They could get permission for a higher waiver, a higher dollar amount waiver, but they had to ask a manager for permission. And I mean, this is just like a lasagna of stupid. And who has to absorb it? The agent. Mm -hmm. The agent has to absorb it because the contact center manager is not advocating for a higher waiver amount. The people who are adjusting the pricing are perfectly fine with all of this falling down onto the agent's individual contacts with customers, which of course went on longer and received lower customer satisfaction scores. And this is nothing to do with the agent's confidence or competence at work, nothing. Why would a person want to stay in a job like that? Yeah, no, I mean, and they don't. And increasingly they're not. Mm-hmm. And so there's a crisis, uh, you know, the the mobility from a vocational standpoint that the pandemic era has brought about with work from home and a reduced stigma around changing jobs more regularly and just the ability to change your job without completely uprooting your your family and your life and your world it's created a completely different sort of leverage structure if you will where it's much easier to get a different job in a different call center um, than it used to be right and so you know i think the c suite in general is just struggling to figure this out like you know what do we need to change and the answer is really stop making the agent's job horrible Right, right. Stop making the agents absorb practical matters that aren't there doing or within their control. Here's another example. This is actually a pretty good example, but not a great one. I heard a, a speaker at a conference recently talk about this. Their company makes custom t-shirts and other other types of things. And sometimes they have to reissue an order because there was something wrong with it. And they, their agents had to create a new order. They had to copy in everything the customer had supplied, the number of items ordered, the size, the color, the custom content, the shipping address. They had to type it in. They had to type it wow. in. And so to solve the problem, the leader uh, requested that IT develop a copy order button in the online ordering system. And they had to make a case for it. They had to prove, make this copy order button in an internal uh, uh, ordering system would pay off within a year. Okay, so on on the positive side, the manager, the leader set forth to solve this problem and the company had an internal process for justifying spending money, right? This is good. On the other side, like dope slap. Oh my God. Why do they have to retype the order? That's just stupid. Prefix it. Fix it before we have to ask anybody to fix it. You know, that's dumb. And And this kind of thing. So if you ask, can empathy be scripted? (laughs) Yes, it can be scripted. And it should be scripted because that agent has to retype 
the order. I mean, it really is crazy. Some of the things agents have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk about it a lot on the show. I, I spend a decent amount of time in some Facebook groups that are just call center agents kind of supporting each other mm-hmm. and giving each other advice. And, and there are some really strong career minded agents in a lot of these groups that have been there and done that. And they got several t-shirts and they kind of understand how a lot of this goes and they've worked for, you know, maybe several outsourcers or they've got, you know, some in-house and some outsourcing experience. And, and so they, they've kind of run the gambit. One thing that seems to transcend geography and size of the company and the vertical the company is serving. There's just stuff that doesn't make any sense. I think you called it a lasagna of stupid. Um, That's quotable, by the way. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there's just all these layers of things on top of each other Mm -hmm. that they just, when it, when it comes together, it just doesn't make any dang sense. And so, you know, I, I think that there is a sense in which, and, I, and I've as a customer interacted with agents where I explain this problem. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And they just kind of can't help themselves. They say, and it right. didn't make sense to the 15 other customers I talked to this week with the exact same problem. And you can sense their palpable frustration yeah. that the company doesn't get it. On the other hand, and we'll we'll try to tilt our conversation on the positive we all know companies where customer service agents are given a job that's doable mm-hmm. and rewarding, where they're trusted to make good decisions on customers' behalf, where their requests for knowledge resources are met, and where they are likely to be promoted into another role in the contact center or another role in the company. And those people, back to our discussion about empathy, when you're working in one of those companies and they exist and they thrive. So they may not have better empathy expressing skills, but they have less fear and they're less risk averse. So what I've observed is agents in those types of companies they start to notice that expressions of empathy work. Mm. And because they know that they're allowed to stay on the phone longer or that they won't be dinged for a write back in email or that they're allowed to switch channels. We started this in a chat, but what this really needs to be is a phone call. I'll switch channels. They start to notice that empathy works. They develop their own empathy repertoire that namely they have a set of things they can and will write or say. They notice, oh, this type of empathy works best with that type of, of customer or in this situation, you know, and they they know how to move forward and they're pretty, uh, they're pretty neutral about considering empathy yet another one of their job skills, just as navigating numerous screens would be a job skill or staying up to date on the product is a job skill expressing empathy when the situation calls for it is a job skill. And I don't think they would care much about our hair splitting distinction between their heartfelt empathy and the empathy they express at work. Because when when expressing empathy is just another job skill, agents do it because it works. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't probably don't care much about the distinction you and I are making. Well, no. And, and in that case, you know, where, and this is where we talk about, you know, agents that are properly connected to the company for which they work is a whole different set of 
you know, internal narratives and, you know, variables versus a, an agent that doesn't feel properly connected to the company for which they work. And so mm-hmm. I think that that is probably the biggest variable in all of this is, is the agent truly empowered in the best sense of that term? I know that can be kind of a buzzword, but, you know, where the agent is actually trusted to make decisions to develop what works for themselves, as you kind of described it, you know, it seems to me from what I've observed, those agents aren't really having the level of struggle that agents that are just like, this company is just whack, you know? Those are the agents that are just really struggling when it comes to having a good interaction in a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just wanted to point out too, that it's been probably a decade now where this topic of, you know, bringing your whole self authentically to work has been kind of a public dialogue. And I think the word that I want to put there as sort of the qualifier for the ability to even have that conversation within a given company is safety, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about psychological safety for agents on a couple of different episodes. And Sherry Kendall has helped us lead that conversation as well as Wei Wu Curtis. And, and, and I think there are some companies out there that employee agents, uh, maybe even at scale, BPOs, I think of Lemon Contact Center in the UK, I think of Support You. And there are lots of other ones where understanding the humanity of the agent is a core part of who they are as a company mm-hmm. and figuring out, you know, how do we help them to be not just happy at work, but to feel like their work is consistent with their humanity overall. And, yes. and, and that it's, it's a mutual win between company and employee and customer that everybody is benefiting from the way it's set up. Yes, I agree with that completely. You can bring your authentic self to work and you should and you should be fortunate enough to work in a company that sees you as a whole person. But you may have to perform some empathy when you're having a customer freak out about something that's not so tragic, right? And then you have in your skill set the ability to express some kind of empathy. Again, you may be performing it, but you're going to express some kind of empathy so we can move the customer from being in the feelings to being in the solution and we can move on from there. The other thing that excellent companies do is that they gauge legal risk in a reasonable way and that they do not put legal or financial risk managing the whole company's legal or financial risk on the shoulders of the individual agent. They don't do that. They don't let agents protect the company's bottom line by withholding refunds, waivers, or discounts, because how would an individual agent know whether giving you $6 free shipping will affect the company's bottom line? We do not want agents having to carry that responsibility because they can't possibly know whether they're making good decisions or bad decisions. And good companies do not, they prevent the legal team from exaggerating and generalizing legal risk because when they do that, when the legal team does that, agents will be stifled in their ability or their permission to express empathy. Because empathy implies that you can see the other person's perspective. And sometimes the other person's perspective is stupid or wrong. 
and and risky, legally risky. But but, you know, uh, to a carpenter, every everything is a nail and every tool is a hammer, you know, and to a lawyer, every interaction is freighted with legal risk. And it's not realistic. And we have to balance our perception of legal risk so that we can also uh, cause interactions that make customers confident they want to do business with us. There's so much there. I mean, I think we've come up with unintentionally three new episode topics just in the last minute. You know, I think also about how the financial people at a company often only see a customer service interaction through the lens of cost, Mm. you know, of that interaction, right? They don't understand the larger narrative of the relationship with the customer. And, and so we all, like you said, have, have kind of our perspective and, and, and as leaders, it's important to understand the bigger picture and to grow in your understanding of that. Um, so I, I'm going to cut us off just because we try to be really close to time, but uh, this has been fantastic. I hope that we'll be able to have you back and and dig deeper on some of the things that we've started to talk about here because we've only been able to scratch the surface, but I hope that this was a helpful conversation for our audience and for those who will view it later. And, and Leslie, we're so thankful you could join us and, and really help us think through this today. It's absolutely my pleasure. I'm so happy we met in person and I'm glad to continue our connection this way and in the future. That sounds awesome. Well, to everyone, hope you have a great Tuesday. Let's make our world a little bit better today. Take care. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.